Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for Food and Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. Today we're going to start off with a recipe from Smitten Kitchen for winter squash and spinach pasta bake. I'm in awe of people who can make a meal plan, repeating many favorite dishes weekly or several times a year, knowing that they love what they love. Because I'm not. I, I like shiny new recipes. My favorite thing to cook will always be the last new thing I made. All attempts to be a responsible sort of person with a plan are consistently jettisoned by a sparkly whim that landed on my head in the last day or two, like a big apple crumb cake, or in this case, Odolengi recipe from The Guardian. I apparently bookmarked over three years ago and forgot about until this stunning image flashed across my screen a few weeks ago, and all of my best laid October plans were kicked to the curb. I haven't a single regret. This is not a usual pasta bake. We do not boil the noodles. We do not make or buy a sauce. We do not roast the winter squash or even saute the greens. We throw every single ingredient raw into a big bowl for mixing and pour that into a parchment-slung spring form or equivalently sized pan and bake it for 90 minutes. That's the rub. It takes a long time to cook, but this time is entirely hands-off, save removing the foil midway. You won't be scrubbing pots as the sum of your dishes to wash will be a cutting board, knife, whisk, grater, and a bowl. What emerges from the oven is savory fall decadence. The proportions are upended depending on your perspective. This has either half the pasta or twice the vegetables of most pasta bakes of this size. The squash softened, the spinach perfectly cooked, the noodles tender in the center and burnished to a snatchable crisp on top, and the fragrance of garlic and toasted cheese is everywhere I want to be. Here's the recipe, winter squash and spinach pasta bake. It serves eight, takes 15 minutes of prep, and two hours to bake and rest. The source, inspired by Odolengi's pasta and butternut squash cake. You'll need one large egg, one cup of ricotta, one cup of finely grated parmesan, divided, one cup of coarsely grated fontina cheese, one and a quarter cups of water, three tablespoons of olive oil, divided, one tablespoon of kosher salt. I use diamond, use less of other brands. Uh, freshly grated nutmeg, this is optional. Freshly ground black pepper, one quarter to a half teaspoon of red pepper flakes to taste, three garlic cloves, thinly sliced, five ounces of baby spinach, roughly chopped, two tablespoons of thinly sliced sage leaves or one teaspoon of chopped thyme leaves. This is optional. One and a quarter pound of butternut or another sturdy winter squash, peeled, seeded, sliced thin, or one pound in prepared chunks, sliced thin. You also need eight ounces of dried pasta, broken into pieces if it's large or long. So you're gonna heat your oven to 350 degrees Fahrenheit and line a nine inch spring form with three inch sides with a sling of parchment paper, pressing it across the bottom and creasing the sides to get it to fit as best as possible. If the sides aren't well covered, repeat with a second piece of parchment in the other direction. 
Then you're going to whisk egg and ricotta in a large bowl. Stir in half the Parmesan, Fontina, water, two tablespoons of olive oil, salt, a few gratings of fresh nutmeg, lots of freshly ground black pepper, red pepper flakes, and garlic. Stir in the squash, spinach, and sage, or thyme if you're using, and then add dried noodles and stir until everything is coated. Pour into the prepared pan and press gently so everything is as even of a layer as possible, and then sprinkle with the second half of the Parmesan. Gently fold any parchment that extends over the rim of the pan into the center and cover the pan tightly with foil. Bake on a sheet for extra security against drips for one hour and then remove the foil, reopen the parchment folded over the top and drizzle the dish with the remaining one tablespoon of olive oil. Return to the oven uncovered for 30 minutes. The pasta will be baked through and the top will be crisp. If it doesn't have as much color as you'd like on top, you can finish it under the broiler for a minute or two. Cool in the pan on a rack for 30 minutes before removing the springform ring, sliding the pasta bake by its parchment onto a serving plate and cut it into wedges. To do ahead, this keeps in the fridge for up to one week. You're going to rewarm the uncovered, uh, uncovered in a 350 degree oven. I haven't frozen it, but I would expect it to freeze well if it was tightly wrapped. Notes. On a structural note, like lasagna, this is more wet and messy when it first comes out of the oven. I recommend a 30-minute rest at minimum. What you see here is the loose slices, but it will be cleaner to cut and more set the longer that it hangs out. It reheats fantastically and keeps up to a week in the fridge. Last night we reheated wedges from six days ago and they were still perfection. For the pan size, I only tested this in a nine inch springform, but would expect it to also fit in an 11 to 12 inch ovenproof skillet and also less glamorously in a nine by 13 inch baking dish. No need to lie with parchment if you're serving it from the pan or you're not worried about leakage. For the pasta shape, I'm using a ribbon shaped pasta called Malfaline or Reginette. You can find it from my many brands with slight variations such as Anna, which is what I used, Sfoglini, Garofalo, and Italy. Classic ruffle edged lasagna noodles broken into pieces will also work too. Adaptation notes. I used Odalenghi's recipe as general inspiration, but not a literal guide. I skipped the tomatoes, pine nuts, feta, basil, parsley, and even the fresh noodles, instead using dried ones and adding more liquid so they could fully cook. I add some fontina for richness and a bit more parmesan, more salt, and sage. So here's a salt update. There have been so many comments about the salt level. I'm adding the weight of the salt and more guidance, and as originally noted, the Diamond brand kosher salt is much lighter than other brands of kosher salt. So if you are not using Diamond, it's a good practice to use only half of any other brand when reading a recipe. And we have gone into the details of salts before, and we'll probably do it again because it was, it was a good, uh, good information there. This next recipe is from Real Simple. It's a chicken tortilla crunch salad. And crushed tortilla chips make this punchy chicken salad totally irresistible. The hands-on time for this is 35 minutes. 
The total time is 35 minutes and it serves four. The speedy salad is loaded with shortcuts, meaning you can get dinner on the table stat. All-in-one fajita spice mix seasons chicken thighs before they hit a hot grill. Then a simple dressing made with mayonnaise, salsa, and sour cream dresses a refreshing Napa Khaled cabbage and red bell pepper mixture. If you prefer to use a coleslaw blend instead of the cabbage, go for it. Lastly, the part best of this uh, the best part of this satisfying salad might be the handfuls of tortilla chips tossed in for the surprising texture it brings to each bite. Are you not up for grilling? No problem. Cook the thighs on the stovetop or make salad prep even faster by using leftover or rotisserie chicken. For the ingredients, you'll need canola oil for your grilled grates, one pound of boneless, skinless chicken thighs, which is four thighs, two tablespoons of fajita or taco seasoning, one and a quarter teaspoon kosher salt divided, six cups of shredded Napa cabbage from one head of cabbage, or a 14 ounce package of coleslaw mix, one red bell pepper thinly sliced, a quarter cup of mayonnaise, a quarter cup of salsa, two tablespoons of sour cream, two cups of crushed corn tortilla chips, one cup of rough, roughly chopped fresh cilantro, plus more for serving, and then two ounces of queso fresco or feta cheese crumbled. That's about a half a cup. One quarter cup of roasted salted pumpkin seeds, also known as pepitas. So for the directions, first you're going to oil the grill grates and preheat them to a medium high, which is 400 to 450 degrees Fahrenheit. You're going to rub the chicken thighs with fajita seasoning and sprinkle with a half teaspoon of salt. Next, place the chicken on oiled grates. Grill uncovered until the chicken is cooked through and a thermometer inserted in the thickest part registers 165 degrees Fahrenheit, so that's about four to five minutes per side. Then you're gonna to transfer to a plate and let cool for 15 minutes. Next step, place the cabbage and bell pepper in a large bowl and toss to combine. Whisk the mayonnaise, salsa, sour cream, and remaining three quarters teaspoon salt in a small bowl. Add to the cabbage mixture and toss to coat. Next step, thinly slice the chicken and add to cabbage mixture. Add tortilla chips and toss to combine. Transfer to a bowl or plates and top with cheese and pepitas and garnish with more cilantro. Our next recipe comes from eating well. This is for cucumber vinegar salad, which is, I don't know, one of my favorite things. It's just so refreshing, low calorie, tastes yummy, awesome, and it looks really pretty here too. So this cucumber vinegar salad has a perfect balance between sweet and sour flavors, plus a hint of fresh dill. The red onion adds a nice crunch. Enjoy the salad right after you're done making it or store it away to snack on for later. For the ingredients, you'll need six Persian cucumbers, two teaspoons of granulated sugar, one half teaspoon salt, one cup of thinly sliced red onion, one quarter cup of white wine vinegar, two tablespoons of chopped fresh dill, and one quarter teaspoon of ground pepper. First, step one, you're gonna use a mandolin or a knife, thinly slice the cucumbers a quarter of an inch thick and then transfer the cucumber slices to a fine mesh strainer set over a large bowl, 
sprinkle with sugar and salt, toss to combine, and then let stand at room temperature for 30 minutes. Step two, you're gonna discard any liquid in the bowl and wipe the bowl dry. Transfer the cucumbers to the bowl and toss with onion, vinegar, dill, and pepper. Let stand at room temperature for 15 minutes and then serve immediately or refrigerate for up to three days. That sounds like a really easy recipe and I can tell you again, it tastes really delicious. To make ahead, refrigerate in an airtight container for up to three days. Our next ingredient, also a, um, uh, let's see, actually, let's go with, yeah, the other salad recipe. From real simple, I thought this sounded really interesting. I lived in Mexico for six weeks, and um, they had cactus there that people were selling on the street, and I was like, what is that? How do you eat that? But this one has cactus in the recipe, and I know it's a thing now, so that's cool (laughs) thing here in the U.S., So it's taco placero with cactus salad. This fresh taco recipe comes from City Tacos in San Diego, California. And I love the cactus, by the way. It's really yummy. Hands-on time. This takes 10 minutes. The total time, 20 minutes. Serves one. Tacos placeros are large plate-sized tacos that can be wrapped in one or more tortillas. While they can be difficult to eat because of their size, Tacos Placeros can have a wide variety of fillings. In this recipe, the hefty taco includes cactus salad, crunchy pork rinds, queso fresco, and an avocado slice. The meal is garnished with papalo, which is an ancient South American herb that tastes like a combination of arugula and cilantro. Yum! You can find it at most Spanish markets. This is a simple taco prepared with cactus salad, crispy pork rinds, avocado, and salsa that City Tacos executive chef Eduardo Beza and his family enjoyed on game days for the Pumas soccer club. The whole family traveled for hours in Mexico City to get to the games, but it was worth it, shares Jerry Torres, founder of City Tacos in San Diego, California. As they approached the stadium, the food aromas from the San San Angel open air market filled the air, giving them that extra bit of energy, knowing that they would refuel with a taco placero as the market had become a mandatory pit stop in old school tailgating without a car. The funny thing is the commute soccer game team and open air market were secondary to their beloved taco, which brought about all the joyful memories. Here are the ingredients. You'll need four cactus leaves, three Roma tomatoes cubed, five ounces of feta cheese cubed, one white onion thinly sliced, one ounce of cilantro chopped, one and a quarter ounces of olive oil, salt to taste, dried oregano to taste, juice of one lime, one corn tortilla, two ounces of thin crispy pork rinds, two ounces of cactus salad, one quarter avocado sliced, one ounce of queso fresco or young ricotta or mild feta cheese, papalo for serving, or you can use watercress. Here's the directions. Step one, make the cactus salad. You're gonna wash the cactus leaves thoroughly and remove any thorns, and then cut the leaves into half inch thick slivers and place them in a pot of salted water. Cook until soft about 10 minutes. Next, once the cactus leaves are cooked, you're gonna strain them and let them cool at room temperature and then set aside. 
Next, chop the tomatoes and feta into cubes and slice the onion into thin slivers and place in a bowl. Add the cactus leaves and season everything with cilantro, olive oil, salt, oregano, and lime juice, and stir to combine and set aside. To assemble the taco, you're going to use a warm corn tortilla as a base and add pork rinds, cactus salad, and avocado. Top with queso fresco and papalo and serve with pickled jalapenos or a fresh salsa of your choice. Oh, that sounds absolutely delicious. Let's have some right now. Our next recipe is for pollo guisado chicken wings. These flavorful chicken wings are a childhood favorite of Dominican-American chef Nelson German, and this recipe is from realsimple.com. Hands-on time, 30 minutes. Total time, 4 hours. Servings, 4. This dish from Dominican-American chef Nelson German takes the flavors of the popular Latin American chicken stew and uses them on a game-day classic, chicken wings. Pollo guisado is one of my all-time favorite dishes that I ask my mom and grandma to cook for me when I visit them. It's one of the first dishes I saw them cooking in the kitchen when I was about seven years old, and it sparked my curiosity in food and cooking, shares German. This was a time when only women would cook and keep the guys out of the kitchen, so I could only watch from afar. This is a very old-fashioned way of thinking in the Latin community. Men were not allowed in the kitchen, and I was afraid to be in there. My mom and grandma didn't know I even had an interest in cooking until I was 17 years old. I had a lot of inspiration from afar, always watching and learning what they were doing in the kitchen, he adds. To this day, I remember the aromas of pollo guisado, and I love cooking this dish myself and enjoying it when I visit them. Here's the ingredients. You'll need one bunch of cilantro, leaves and stems, 12 garlic cloves, one medium red onion, chopped, one green bell pepper, chopped, two tablespoons of kosher salt, one tablespoon of crushed black pepper, one half cup of olive oil, one quarter cup of canola oil, three pounds of chicken wings, skin on is preferable, two small red onions sliced, one half cup of chopped garlic, one quarter cup of maggi seasoning or magi, M-A-G-G-I, or you can use tamari, three tablespoons of ground cumin, one tablespoon of smoked paprika, three tablespoons of lemon pepper seasoning, one quart of chicken or vegetable stock, one half cup of tomato paste, and seven mazetta green olives pitted and chopped, two oranges, zest and juice only, and one quarter stick of butter. Here's the directions. For step one, you're going to make the sofrito. You're going to combine the cilantro, garlic cloves, medium onion, bell pepper, salt, black pepper, and olive oil in a food processor or a blender and blend until smooth. Reserve one and a half cups of the sofrito for marinating the chicken wings and set the remaining half cup aside. Place the chicken wings and sofrito together in a large plastic bag and marinate for three hours or overnight. Next, you're going to preheat a medium aluminum or stainless steel pan with a canola oil for about five minutes on medium-high heat. This will allow the pan to heat up evenly so that the chicken won't stick. Add the chicken pieces and cook for one minute or until golden brown and then turn them over. 
Adjust the heat to low and add the small onions and chopped garlic to the pan. Sweat down the onions and garlic until soft, about 10 minutes. Turn up the heat to high and deglaze the pan with mag- Maggie, sorry, Magi seasoning. And then turn the chicken twice so it can absorb the Magi. Next step, you're going to add the cumin, smoked paprika, lemon pepper, and stock. And then bring the liquid to a boil and add tomato paste and the remaining one half cup of sofrito. Stir both well until dissolved. Add orange zest and juice along with the olives. Wow, this sounds delicious. Adjust the heat to low and cover it with a lid. If there is no lid for the pan, you can use aluminum foil to cover it. Uh, Braise the chicken for 30 minutes or until the meat reaches your preferred tenderness. You're going to plate the chicken on a platter without the sauce and set aside. And then add butter to the sauce and stir until it's dissolved. Pour the sauce over the chicken wings and serve with rice and fried plantains if desired. Our next recipe is for pork and peanut lettuce wraps. One of my favorite things also. I guess I just like to eat. (laughs) This light and refreshing weeknight meal is table ready in only 20 minutes. Hands on time, 20 minutes. Total time, 20 minutes, and it serves four. This is inspired by Southeast Asian lettuce wraps. This flavorful handheld meal is super satisfying, savory and sweet mixture of soy sauce, sugar, fish sauce, and lime juice dresses stir-fried ground pork to perfection. Finishing things off with a handful of roasted peanuts for crunch and a touch of mint for freshness. This simple weeknight recipe has it all. Shopping tip, for the most part, Boston bib and butter lettuce are interchangeable. You can use any for this easy supper. The ingredients are two tablespoons of lower sodium soy sauce or tamari, one and a half tablespoon of fish sauce, one tablespoon of fresh lime juice from one lime, plus wedges for serving, one tablespoon of light brown sugar, two tablespoons of toasted sesame oil, one pound of ground pork, one medium shallot thinly sliced, that's about a quarter cup, one half cup of salted dry roasted peanuts chopped and divided, two tablespoons of chopped fresh mint divided, and eight large bib lettuce leaves from one head. You're going to first whisk the soy sauce, fish sauce, lime juice, and sugar in a bowl until the sugar dissolves. Then heat oil in a large skillet or a wok over medium-high. Add the pork and break into large pieces. Cook undisturbed until starting to brown about two minutes. Add the shallot. Cook, stirring to crumble the pork until the pork is browned and almost cooked through and the shallot is starting to soften. That'll be about two minutes. Then add soy sauce mixture, cook, stirring until the liquid is absorbed and almost evaporated and the pork is cooked through about one more minute, and then stir in a quarter cup of peanuts and one tablespoon of mint. Serve the pork in the lettuce leaves, top with the remaining one quarter cup of peanuts and one tablespoon of mint. Thank you for joining us for Food and Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. If you enjoyed this program, Please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.